Welcome to this episode of CDM Media's Solution Spotlight. I'm J.D. Miller, your host and Vice President at CDM Media. I'm happy to be joined today by Chris Kubik, CISO from Fidelis Cybersecurity. Chris has been with Fidelis for just over a year, but spent 32 years with the National Security Agency, where he spent many of his years there as the NSA's CISO. Today, we're going to have a great discussion diving in around 2021 security predictions with Chris Kubik. Stick around. Welcome back, and I'm excited. This is my fourth podcast with Chris, and we dove into a lot of different topics. But today, we're going to look at 2021 and what that holds from a cybersecurity end. So, Chris, welcome again. Uh, it's a pleasure to be here today with you again, JD. So, let, let's start off. If you could describe 2020 from both the IT and security industry and, and security leaders, how would you go about doing that? Well, obviously, JD, uh, you know, COVID nineteen is the driver here, uh, with businesses across all sectors being forced to really completely rethink their plans for the year. I don't think anybody really predicted uh, uh, what twenty twenty would look like um, uh, when we started the year. You know, we certainly had uh, some industries which were completely shut down due to COVID. You know, particularly those in the services sector. We had others that were suddenly in great demand, such as uh, manufacturers of, of personal protective equipment and, and really anything associated with online shopping. Um, you know, and then we had some businesses that had to completely reinvent themselves. And, and a good example here is, uh, you know, distillery shifting production to hand sanitizer. Who would have thought that would be a thing? Uh, you know, but uh, but when we look at it from an IT um, standpoint, uh, you know, we're really forced to shift almost overnight to having our employees working from home and in turn, you know, having to relearn how to conduct business remotely, you know, whether that was, be, you know, through email, telephone, uh, uh, video conferencing, um, et cetera. Uh, and on the cybersecurity front, uh, you know, we saw cyber uh, criminals and really nation state actors uh, pivot to take advantage of the COVID-19 situation and, and redirect their attacks against the IT infrastructure and, and the industries that were most critical to our survival. Uh, so if I had described 2020 in a few words, I would say, uh, you know, flexibility, risk management and, and reinvention, you know, being flexible on our plans and how we conduct business kind of balancing the need to, to contain the pandemic against the need to move our business operations and, and really the livelihoods of our employees forward and reinventing our businesses to operate in this new normal. From an IT and cyber standpoint, what do you see as the biggest impact to the industry and its leaders this year? Well, I would say that it, it really depended a lot on the nature of the business and, and how well that company was positioned before the pandemic for, you know, online sales, remote operation, et cetera. You know, for companies well positioned in this space, then it was it was more of an exercise in, in scaling up and fine tuning what was already in place. And, and, and granted, I'm cartooning a bit here because I think it's safe to say that nobody was fully prepared for what unfolded uh, earlier this year. Um, however, for, for companies that, that were not well positioned, uh, you know, for online sales and remote operation, migrating to this new normal required a, a huge lift for them in order to update their business models, policies and procedures, as well as their supporting IT infrastructures and security capabilities to support this new normal. Uh, you know, for many companies, uh, the need to make significant 
overnight changes drove them to accelerate their digital transformation efforts. You know that that you know shifting uh, their operations into the cloud. Uh, and for many, the, the shift to the cloud was uh, really well before they had planned to make that shift or were prepared to do so. Um, so all these rapid changes, you know, certainly uh, created seams and gaps in their cyber defenses, which you know, which were definitely exploited by cyber uh, criminals. Um, so as far as impact, I would say that many organizations have, have taken on a significant amount of added risk to their enterprise and business operations. And, uh, you know, for some organizations, this was a conscious decision in order to, to keep their business operations moving forward. But, uh, you know, for, for many, uh, you know, I would say it was not a, a conscious uh, decision on their part. Um, you know, from a cyber uh, standpoint, and, and I already touched on this a bit uh, earlier, we, we saw an immediate shift in the nature of the cyber threats impacting our customers. You know, attackers ramped up their phishing and social engineering attack campaigns with COVID-themed uh, lures. Um, you know, and a good example of this is is early on in the pandemic. If you remember, uh, you know, there was a, a malicious website created that purported to be a site for tracking the spread of COVID. COVID, and you know, this this is just classic phishing and social engineering tactics that you know they capitalize on fear and uncertainty, create a sense of urgency to get unsuspecting users to to click on malicious links. Uh, you know, we also saw attackers uh, ramp up their efforts to exploit exploit IT the IT infrastructure supporting our work at home users, uh, you know, in particular going after VPNs, the, the endpoints that we deployed to our um, employees, cloud-based services and, and home-based networks uh, using a combination of, of unpatched vulnerabilities, phishing and social engineering attacks and, and, and you know, weak logon credentials to gain initial uh, impact. Uh, and then finally, we saw a dramatic shift in, in ransomware campaigns with the attackers being uh, much more strategic and thoughtful in how they selected their victims uh, really trying to maximize the level of pain for their victims in order to increase the probability that um, the victim would pay the ransom. Uh, so when you take all these into account, um, you know, I would say that 2020 really uh, certainly goes into the record books for, uh, you know, kind of the scale and scope of cyber attacks mounted against organizations, as well as the, the losses that were incurred uh, by organizations through these cyber attacks. So if you had to peg, what were the most valuable lessons from 2020? What would those be? Uh, from a cyber standpoint, I'd say the two primary lessons, uh, you know, first one being cyber hygiene is your friend. Uh, and the second one, uh, business uh, continuity planning really is important. Uh, you know, as I mentioned a few minutes ago, you know, unpatched vulnerabilities, phishing and social engineering um, and, you know, weak logon credentials are, are the attackers, uh, you know, go to techniques for gaining initial access to systems. Uh, and improving your organization's cyber hygiene practices, you know, can go a long way to keeping you from becoming a victim. Uh, you know, in my mind, you know, the key to, to, to actually making those improvements is, is, you know, first of all, knowing the train you're defending. You know, what are your critical uh, data sets? Um, you know, what are your business critical workflows? You know, and, and, and ultimately, what are your high-risk assets? Um, uh, you know, kind of the second key piece of Cyber hygiene um, is diligent patching, you know, particularly uh, for those high risk assets and for systems uh, that support our work at home users. Um, you know, the next thing is, is good account and password management, ensuring employees are using complex, hard to guess passwords and where you can backing those up with two factor authentication. Um, you know, kind of next uh, next uh, in in cyber hygiene is is having robust endpoint protection. You know, particularly for work at home users, as many of those systems are exposed 
to the internet through insecure home networks. And for endpoint protection, you know, I kind of recommend to our customers a combination of, of automated vulnerability management software, uh, you know, something like Desktop Central to keep the endpoints up to date with the latest software and patches, uh, antivirus software to catch the signature-based threats, um, and then, you know, augmenting that with endpoint detection response capabilities to, to catch the more stealthy attacks. Um, you know, where I see the value of EDR is, 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 you know, it really adds benefits for the remote employees by uh, enabling your security operations team to quarantine a device that's misbehaving and remotely diagnose the, diagnose the device uh, to determine if and how it was compromised, return the device to a secure state, and, and ultimately apply global policy updates to all your remote devices to ensure that the other devices cannot be compromised in a similar way. And then, you know, kind of finally, from a cyber hygiene standpoint is, is, you know, continually reinforcing security best practices with your employees to include, you know, best practices for detecting and reporting phishing and social engineering attacks. So what mistakes do you see out there? Or did you see out there? And what did you see that should be considered best or standard practices in security leadership or even general security? Well, it's really hard for me to say that that people made mistakes. There were a lot of, you know, there was a lot of incomplete information out there. You know, the requirements were constantly shifting, uh, particularly early on. You know, we were all uncertain about how the whole pandemic situation would play out. And, you know, I can tell you, IT and security leaders were, were certainly under intense pressure to make the changes necessary to keep our business operations moving forward. You know, at the time, you know, we were also kind of expecting or at least hopefully optimistic that, that everything uh, we were doing was temporary and that things would quickly return to normal, you know? So, so as a result, I, you know, I think early on, many of us cobbled together, you know, kind of stopgap solutions really to, to carry us through a few weeks uh, of the quarantine, uh, you know, worst case a month or two. So, so I would say that, you know, folks generally did the, the best that they could do um, under the, the situation. Um, you know, as far as best practices, um, you know, I would say that, that companies that had the foresight to, to really pull together business uh, continuity plans uh, and, and, you know, those that collaborated uh, across their organization as the pandemic, um, you know, played out and they had to make those overnight um, shifts in IT, you know, they, you know, organizations that had those two components in place fared better in rolling out uh, initial solutions for the pandemic. Um, I think it's all also important, uh, you know, to continually reevaluate where you are from time to time and, and make uh, necessary uh, adjustments along the way to continually improve your IT and security posture as the pandemic continues to play out. Uh, you know, so the bottom line here is, uh, you know, I don't, I don't see the pandemic uh, and work from home going away anytime soon. So, so it's never too late to make those adjustments and, and kind of reevaluate where you are and, and, and come up with a good plan for, for how to how to improve the security for your work at home users and, and by doing that, buy down the risk to your enterprise. So how would you suggest security leaders prepare for 2021 based on what we know from this year? Um, I think the need to, to rapidly roll out changes across our enterprises to support work at home, you know, taught us a number of things uh, in particular, how to be flexible and, and how to better manage, uh, you know, versus avoid risks within our enterprises. Uh, you know, the overnight rollout of these new capabilities required tremendous coordination between CISOs and other C-level executives to, to sort out the initial plans and, and then evolve and kind of backfill those initial plans with updated policies, procedures, and technologies to, to kind of tip the risk scales back into the acceptable range. 
you know, so I would say that that if you know if your organization does not have a formal risk management program in place, now is the time to to create one. Uh, you know, a risk management program will, will help you identify and plan for those risks that can impact your business operations, and and really to to you know, allows you to perform an honest assessment of where you are from a you know from a enterprise risk or and really a cybersecurity risk and and where you need to be to operate in this new normal. And while I doubt that that even the best risk management plans out there would have considered uh, the risk of a global pandemic, you know, many would have uh, considered things like acts of God and, you know, force majeure type situations, which would have better positioned those organizations to handle uh, the pandemic, uh, the pandemic. Uh, you know, and while it takes resources and time to uh, pull, pull together a risk management plan, you know, you know, I've, I've certainly found that it's much easier to kind of noodle through what the potential risks to your business are and, and develop those contingency plans ahead of time, uh, you know, than to try and uh, manage those risks, um, you know, when you're working through, you know, uh, an event or a situation. So now moving on to the unknown and unpredictable, based on your insights and real world examples, what do you predict for 2021? You know, biggest impacts to the IT security industry, for example. Well, I, you know, I'd say moving forward into 2021, I, I unfortunately think we are in for for more of the same from a cybersecurity uh, perspective. Um, you know, continuation of, of work at home, you know, at least through the summer, um, you know, acceleration of digital transformation efforts. Um, you know, which is not necessarily a bad thing, but but does add to the already overflowing plates of, of, of many of the CISOs out there. Um, you know, we will certainly uh, see threats continue to evolve rapidly, and we'll need to be prepared to adapt our defenses to account for new threats. And I think we'll continue, you know, continue to, to see, you know, really exponential growth of, of phishing, social engineering, and ransomware attacks. And, and that's primarily because, you know, those attacks are, are working well for the attackers, and they're very profitable for them. So I don't see them shifting away from that. So when you're looking at greatest cyber threats in the coming year, where would you put that? Um, so, you know, greatest cyber threats, uh, you know, certainly um, continuation of what's working well for the attackers. You know, the things I just mentioned, you know, they'll continue to exploit unpatched vulnerabilities, continue to, you know, mount uh, phishing and social engineering and ransomware campaigns. Um, and unfortunately, I, I see the attacker continuing to get better at these. Uh, and, uh, you know, as time goes on, I mean, they're applying automation, they're applying machine learning and some of these latest techniques to uh, to their, uh, you know, tools. Um, and, and this ultimately will accelerate their timelines from initial exploit to taking full control of the environment. Um, uh, you know, I also see attackers, uh, you know, focusing more and more on Internet of Things as these devices really are, you know, proliferating across our networks and the, the security of these devices is often lack, lacking. So, you know, that, that makes Internet of Things a, a prime target for attackers, you know, for gaining that initial foothold in networks. And, and so I, I see them focusing more and more on, on uh, exploiting those types of devices. So you feel like... That would be the the cyber threat that would cause the greatest harm right now. Uh, yeah, no. If I had to pick one thing, you know, I would say right now the the, the biggest cyber threat is and will continue to be ransomware um, campaigns. Um, you know, they've uh, you know they've they've gotten much more thoughtful in in how they mount those types of attacks. Um, you know, they've 
gotten much more thorough in researching, you know, their victims um, and and fully owning their victims' networks, and um, and you know they they you know changed their attacks to now exfiltrate uh, sensitive data out of those in- environments to to really kind of raise the pain level for organizations, um, you know. So you know those that. Those threats are, are working uh, well for them, and, and they're going to continue to, to use them in the coming year. When we look at 2021, talk to me about some security solutions that will be most critical for combating these threats. When we talk about solutions uh, for combating these threats, uh, you know, I, I think there's, uh, you know, sort of two keys. Uh, you know, being really good at cyber hygiene, I mentioned that. And, um, you know, the second one being, uh, you know, early detection and validation of anomalous activities that are occurring within our networks. And so, you know, I talked about cyber hygiene pretty extensively. So let's let's focus a little bit more on the second piece of this. And, uh, you know, early detection allows us to identify uh, those adversary indicators of compromise and stop the adversary uh, before significant uh, damage is done. And, and this is key. If we take ransomware as an example, you know, uh, stopping a ransomware attack as the systems are, are being encrypted is, is too late in the game. Um, you know, at this point, the adversary likely owns your environment. They've exfiltrated sensitive data from the environment. Um, and so, you know, we need to be able to detect and block uh, ransomware early on during the initial exploit, uh, the phishing attempt. And as they, uh, you know, as they begin to move laterally, uh, um, you know, to other systems. So, so the key, um, you know, the, the key for early detection is is having, um, you know, an integrated security stack that that gives your security operations uh, personnel holistic visibility of the cyber terrain they are defending, and the ability to detect, correlate, and investigate that anomalous activity that they're they're kind of seeing uh, within your networks. Uh, you know, this is certainly an area where, you know, a collection of siloed uh, point solutions just just doesn't cut it. Um, you know, you also need uh, you also need the context provided through an attack framework um, and as well as threat intelligence to allow your security analysts to understand how anomalous events fit into a broader attack kill chain. You need to have high confidence, integrated and prioritized and actionable alerts. Um, you know, um, and then finally, uh, you know, I mentioned this, you know, I think um, automation analytics and machine learning, you know, is, is, is critical here to, to increase really the efficiency and the effectiveness of the limited security personnel you have and really to, to help them find the needle in the haystack. And so, you know, from a solution standpoint, I think this is where Fidelis has some really um, innovative solutions, uh, particularly in our Fidelis Elevate extended detection and response platform, which, which combines a number of different capabilities. It combines, um, uh, you know, network detection and response capabilities, um, you know, that are able to detect attacks coming in and out of your, um, you know, your enterprise, the, the, what we call the north-south traffic. It's able to detect uh, sort of internal, um, say, lateral movement within your environment, um, what we call the east-west traffic. Um, our, our platform also um, includes um, endpoint detection response, which I've talked about um, kind of the value of that, particularly for work at home users. And then finally, we do something that's unique, uh, I think, in the industry and in that we have uh, deception capabilities as well as uh, world-class um, data leak protection or DLP capabilities um, built into our uh, Fidelis Elevate platform. And so it's really the combination of all of these things give you that uh, visibility at all different points throughout your um, 
uh, net, uh, network, your enterprise, and allow you to, uh, you know, pull together the, the uh, data that's collected through all of these different types of sensors and using our analytics and machine learning capabilities really correlate um, uh, that activity you're seeing across the network um, and, and build these high confidence alerts that allow you to detect the attacks, uh, you know, early, early in the attack kill chain and, and, you know, most importantly, before that damage is done. Fantastic. And any final thoughts as we're, we're guiding our listeners into 2021? Well, you know, as far as, uh, you know, final thoughts, um, um, you know, um, I'm, I'm hopeful that 2021 looks a little different than 2020. <laughs> so uh, hopefully not as hectic and, and, and crazy from that standpoint. But, um, you know, uh, you know, as I mentioned, uh, you know, I think we have some really innovative solutions. And, and you know, I would encourage, um, you know, you know, each of you, you know, to to reach out to our sales team for a demonstration uh, of our Elevate platform. You know, I think you'll be impressed with the, the capabilities that we have. Wonderful. Well, thank you so much, Chris. And uh, always a pleasure. I encourage everybody to to go back and listen to the first of our series together with Chris and Fidelis. I want to thank you for joining us for this episode of CDN Media Solution Spotlight brought to you by Fidelis. Be sure to visit cdnmedia.com to listen to all past episodes of CDN Media's Solution Spotlight.